Open your Bible with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 67. Psalm 67. There have been a handful of moments in my life that I've come to understand the Great Commission in a real and personal way, not as an abstract idea that I'm disconnected from, but this eternal sovereign plan of God that He is carrying out through the ages, throughout all the world, through His church, through His people. One of the moments that that has crashed on me with renewed understanding and awareness was at the very first cross conference in 2013. I've had the privilege of being a part of, uh, of that conference since its inception. And the whole aim of it is to convince college students to believe that every Christian has a role to play in making Jesus' name known in the world. That his glory should be broadcast through the lives of every Christian. Some are called to go, crossing borders and language barriers and cultures as missionaries. And some are called to send, leveraging their lives and resources and prayers to help advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in and around the world. If you are a Christian, this is why you were created. This is why God saved you. And this is why God has now sent you to proclaim the goodness of God to the world. You have a part to play in God's global, eternal plan of redemption. He does that through his people. So as the conference ended, my friend David Platt led us in um, this moment of commitment and response. We asked all of those who felt called to go to rise to their feet, and we gathered around and laid hands on them and prayed for them. You know me well enough to know that I was sobbing like a fifth grade school girl. Just, I mean, hundreds of young men and young women stood saying, I feel called to go to the nations with the glory of God. And so we prayed, and then they sat down. And then those of us who were left, those of us who were called to stay and send in a familiar place that God had already placed us, they, we stood up, I stood up, because I'm not called to go at this point in my life to an unreached people group or to another culture, another language. And so I stood up, and then they, these future missionaries laid their hands on us and prayed for us that we would be faithful in sending, mobilizing, strategizing, financially resourcing the move of the gospel until every nation of the earth heard the good news of Jesus. The joy that bubbled up in my heart in that moment, I could not contain. As I thought about the next generation of people committed to the Great Commission, As we've said, this is not for some people out there, but for all God's people everywhere to be involved in the great work of disciple-making for the glory of Jesus. And then we close the night by singing this paraphrase of Psalm 67, the passage we're exploring this morning. Let the nations be glad. Let the peoples rejoice, for salvation belongs to our God. Let the whole earth be filled with the praises of the Lord, for salvation belongs to our God. And we echoed Psalm 67 for, let the nations be glad. As we've been thinking about the mission of the church 
to glorify God by making disciples, my heart has been overwhelmed with thankfulness to him. It's made me go back and think of the very reason we planted the Trails Church to begin with. We saw this massive wave of people that were headed our direction. People relocating from all over the country. People streaming here from all over the world. And we wanted to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples in the fertile soil of a healthy church. And at the blazing center of all of this working and planning and praying was a desire for the glory of Jesus Christ to be treasured and known right here in our community and also to the ends of the earth. When Jamie and I decided uh, that we were going to plant this church, we began to pray, Lord, if you call us to stay here, we will joyfully stay. We, we'd thought about moving many different places, but we, we love This is our home, and we love the people here. But we also wanted to leverage our lives for the sake of God's glory among the nations. And so I I began to make the connection between the tremendous ways that God has blessed us as a community, has given us incredible uh, blessing in areas like business and athletics and leadership and development. And then you add to that the affluence of this area, putting a group of Christians right here in one of the wealthiest counties in America. And I'm not saying that to flatter you. I wouldn't do that. But just to acknowledge, God has blessed our community in some remarkable ways. And so then how could we leverage all of that for the sake of unreached peoples? And so I began to pray this prayer. Lord, would you wield the wealth of Collin County for the sake of unreached peoples? That's the prayer. Lord, would you wield the wealth of Collin County for the sake of unreached peoples? And I don't just mean money. I mean our hearts, our lives being leveraged in whatever ways that you've been gifted, that we've been gifted collectively to make an impact right here in this community and to make an impact around the world. It's one of the most consistent prayers I've prayed, and I'm praying it again on this Commitment Sunday. Lord, would you wield the wealth of Collin County for the sake of unreached peoples? The question I want us to answer is not if we are called to the mission of God in the world. The question is where are you called and how are you called? To be world Christians, to think carefully, to think biblically about our involvement in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Not if you're called. If you're in Christ, you're called. So where have you been called? And how have you been called to live to the glory of God by making disciples? Psalm 67 teaches us to pray a joy-filled, God-centered, gospel-advancing prayer as a church. The theme of this song is that the blessing of God would rest on his people and that ultimately because of that we would be a blessing to others. It would be a conduit of blessing to the world finally, to glorify his name. So this is a prayer I want us as a church to pray in a unique way this morning. Uh, We too will call on God to bless us as a church, not for the sake of our name, but for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ, to be worshiped and loved and proclaimed. I want to divide the chapter into two glorious truths, and we'll see how these weave together. 
One, there is great joy in God's blessings. See that in verse one. And then the remainder of the chapter, verses two through seven, this is the glorious truth. There is great purpose in God's blessings. Great joy and great purpose. That's where we're headed. Let me invite you to stand again to your feet, if you're able, as we honor the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Would you please be seated? The first glorious truth, Psalm 67, is there is great joy in God's blessings. This is a happy song. Do you feel it coursing through the lyrics of this song? This passionate prayer for the people of God to know him, that we would wrap our arms around knowing him, and also this double commitment to make him known. And it all begins with this hopeful, passionate prayer that God would bless his people. We would do well to pray that God would bless the work of his church around the world. We would do well to pray this kind of prayer over our church and for future generations of Christians that follow us, that God would bless his people. There are three specific requests that we find in verse 1 that I believe are all meant to fill our hearts up overflowing with joy in God. One, the first request is that God would be gracious to us. When we ask that God would be gracious to us, we're asking that he would grant us something undeserved. We're not deserving people of any gift from the Lord, but out of the abundance of who he is and in covenant love toward his people, he showers out blessings upon us. Why does he do that? Because his heart is full of grace toward us, giving us good gifts that we don't deserve. Why? Because he is a good and giving God. That's the first thing we see, this prayer that God would be gracious to us. In that prayer, we're confessing we're not worthy of the gifts of God, but out of his grace, we humbly receive them. Second, the second request is for God to bless us. To bless us. And oftentimes we pray this prayer when we're asking for God's favor in something. Maybe it's over your marriage or over your children or your business. We rightly pray, God, would you bless? Would you give us your favor as we live to your glory in this world? But here, there's not a a physical, tangible blessing in view. Maybe verse 6, you see the the crops of the field producing a bountiful harvest. But if you step back from this psalm, the entirety of it is asking for spiritual blessings. 
And we've got to be careful here because our culture has just, uh, a stream of American evangelicalism has hijacked this prayer for God to bless us because that immediately resonates with new cars and bigger houses and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. God, make me more comfortable. That's not this prayer for blessing. This is a spiritual blessing. We want to know God, know his goodness, experience his goodness. And I think that's seen as it spills over into this third request in verse 1, that God would make his face shine upon us. And as we reach the end of verse 1, you may recognize a very familiar pattern to this, uh, these phrases. Let me just read them again. That the Lord would be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Sound familiar to anybody? So uh, there's this benediction that we just love to recite as a church at the end of our services a whole lot. It comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. It's known as the Aaronic Blessing. It's the blessing that Aaron is pronounced, and it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's often how we bless one another in leaving. The only difference between number six and right here in Psalm 67.1 is just a it's just the substitution of the bless of bless you to the Lord. Would you bless us? It's praying this for the people of God. Why? What's he doing here? Well, the psalmist is taking this benediction of old and giving it to the church to pray as a prayer that we would ask the Lord, that we would sing this regularly. God bless us. Be gracious to us. Make your face shine upon us. There is no higher joy than to know the grace of God poured out for us. There's no wider joy than to run in the freedom of the blessing of God that's outlined here in verse 1. There is no deeper joy than to know the shining, smiling face of God upon our lives. Nothing better. And do you know where we have known all of those things in its perfection? In Jesus Christ. In Christ, we know this blessing of Psalm 61. It's as if he fulfills it himself, providing the answer to the prayer of this. So brothers and sisters, where is God's grace and goodness been made known to us? In our great Redeemer's blood. Where have we known the blessing of God on our lives, even to overflowing by God giving us so sure a salvation? Where have we known the richness of God making his face to shine upon us by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die upon a cross that we deserved in our place, standing condemned, bearing the penalty for our sin and lust and pride and greed Cleansing us in full so that now the smile of God, our Father, beams down and radiates over us. The whole of those blessings are meant to work their way through our lives, bringing us to great, overflowing, eternal joy in God. 
That's why Jesus came. Not for just future joy, but for joy right now. Supplied to us in this never-ending stream from Christ. So what is ours then? Grace? Yes. Blessing? That's ours too. The smile of God. The shining of his face upon us. That is ours. All in Christ. On this Commitment Sunday, we are praying that the Lord would bless us. And yes, we're hoping to be able to build a, a permanent church home here in this, in this growing community. And we're asking that our church would continue to grow and reach people. Both people relocating here from near and from far. But the primary thing we're asking the Lord for is the sureness of his presence would go before us and would go with us as his people. That's what we need most. Why? Because there is great joy in God's blessings. The second glorious truth from Psalm 67 is that there is great purpose in God's blessings. We see this through the rest of the psalm, and here it is. God has blessed us as his people in order that we might be a blessing to the nations, to all the nations of the world. That's the great purpose of God's blessing. And where do we see that in the text? Well, there's a massive hinge that this truth swings on between verses 1 and 2, and it's in that word, that. So you might want to circle that in your Bible, because that, that's the the divine doorframe that all of this hangs on, that are the great joy of God's blessing and the great purpose of God's blessing. This is what it's saying. God, be gracious to us so that we might show your grace to the world. God, bless us that we might be a blessing to others. Do you hear Genesis 12 ringing in this? This is God's covenant with Abraham. God promises to Abraham, I'm going to bless you in order to be a blessing to the nations. In Christ, God has fulfilled that promise. And through the church, he continues to put that on display as we're a blessing to the world. We're asking God, shine the glory of your face on us so that we may shine your light in the darkness. And so it's good and right that we would ask God to bless our lives as his people, but it's not so that these blessings would flow to us and then gather in our lives like water that rushes down to the Dead Sea and just sits. Rather, it's asking that when the fresh rain of each blessing pours down on us as God's people, that our lives would be channels of blessing to the world. We would be conduits of the blessing of God. Spurgeon explained it like this. As showers which first fall upon the hills, afterwards run down in streams into the valleys, so the blessing of the Most High comes upon the world through the church. We are blessed for the sake of others as well as ourselves. God deals in a way of mercy with his saints. And haven't we known that? And then they make that way known far and wide, and the Lord's name is made famous in the earth. There is great purpose to God's blessing upon your life, your career, your family, your possessions, your wealth, your skills. They were given to you by a good and gracious God. 
for his plans and purposes, both in your life and in the world. There are four specific purposes outlined in these verses for which God blesses his people. I want us to trace the flow of that thought. First, we see that God blesses his people that he may be known in the earth, verse 2. How is God's way made known? Well, ultimately, it's he makes his way known. He's the God of self-revelation. How has he done that? Well, he has revealed himself wonderfully in creation. He has revealed himself uniquely in the scripture. And he has revealed himself supremely in the person and work of Christ. We've been given the revelation of God in his word, in the gospel. We know him. And now we live to make him known. It's not that this would just terminate on us. But now we live to make him known. Well, how does the church do that? Well, here's where I hear the echo of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. This passage that we've just been circling our thoughts on from week to week, known as the Great Commission. Well, how is God's way known? Well, the Great Commission sends us as his people to teach all people to observe all that Christ has commanded us so that God's way would be known on the earth. The second purpose for which God blesses his people is that his salvation would be known among all nations. Verse 3. We have been given the priceless gift of God's saving grace. And now we've been sent to share with others this great salvation. We've been sent to proclaim it near and far, wide and loud and clear and to the ends of the earth. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus sends us. The words in the Greek there are panta ta ethne. What that means is to all the peoples. I realize in modern English we don't talk like that. We don't pluralize the word people with an S. English teachers get a little, you know, peoples. But that's the message of the Bible. And what that little word, peoples, means is every hidden place on the face of the earth, the dark places that the gospel of Jesus is not shining into, they have no access to the gospel. All the nations, the ethno-linguistic groups of the world, this isn't talking about countries, it's talking about people groups. And we believe that God is worthy of the praise of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation, all the little people groups of the earth. And so we leverage our lives, and we pray, and we work towards seeing the gospel advance to every single people group in the world. That's the commission. How do we do that? By sharing the good news of the gospel. God has sent his church into his world in order that his salvation might be known. The third purpose for which God blesses his people is that the nations might be glad in God. We see this in verse 4. And the connection between salvation and gladness is an important one here. I first learned this in my early 20s when I started reading John Piper. And then by through him, I started reading Jonathan Edwards. And I made this link that the connection between the reason God has saved me is so my heart would delight in him and be glad in him, 
And then as we hold out the good news of the gospel of Jesus to the world, we're inviting the nations of the world, come and join us in our gladness. And so if your salvation, if your experience of God has no joy in it, you need to look again. We are meant to be overflowing with the joy of Christ resonating through our lives with deep happiness in God. The purpose of God making himself known and flexing his might in saving sinners is so that our hearts might come to delight in him, to be glad in him. And then out of our great joy, we hold out the good news, the joyful news of the gospel to any who would come and join us in believing. We had no concept of the grace of God. None. And now we've come to taste and see the grace of God in Christ. Our eyes were completely blind to the truth. There was not a day of our life we're going to wake up and just see it on our own. Yet God in his grace touched our eyes, opening to see the glory of Christ. And now our hearts are filled with joy. And so let this joy spill over from our lives and to the nations. The fourth and final purpose outlined in this passage for which God blesses his people is for his glory. We see in verse 3, the peoples are praising God. All the peoples are praising him. We see in verse 4, the nations are glad and singing. Why? Because God judges the people with equity. The peoples are praising him. All the peoples are praising him because of the perfect justice of God in the world. And we don't see that yet, but we're gonna. Or he writes every wrong. And here we've arrived at the supreme end, the telos of all the blessing that God has given to his people. The ultimate reason that God has made himself known. The ultimate reason that God has given salvation to his people. The reason that he will make the nations glad in him is that his name would be glorified forever and ever. That's where all of this is headed. The glory of God in all things. This is the end to which he created the world for his glory. So our series for the mission began with us looking at the glory of God being the ultimate reason the church exists. And now here, as we bring it to a conclusion, we're right back where we started. We're going to keep coming right back here until the, until the Lord returns or until he calls us home. John Stott helps us understand how God's glory is the central aim of the Christian life, even in the context of something as important as missions and the gravity of lostness in the world. This is what he said. The highest missionary motive is neither obedience to the Great Commission, important as that is, not love of sinners who are alienated, alienated and perishing, strong as that incentive is, especially when we contemplate the wrath of God, but rather zeal, burning, passionate zeal for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. How does that work itself out? Well, I pray that as a community of faith, and this will be true of all Christians scattered on the world today and through the ages, that we would have a deep 
love for the Great Commission, that we would leverage our lives to seeing it run its course to completion. And I pray that we would passionately, honestly, patiently love the worst of sinners, that our tears would be shed over their lostness. Perhaps you, perhaps someone you know is shedding tears because of your lostness and you're here this morning. That is right. It reflects the heart of Christ toward lost people. But I pray that above all, we would be marked by zeal, burning, passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ in all things. Because as the fulfillment of the Great Commission occurs, and it's going to happen, and as God gathers from through time and space, through the four corners of the earth, all of his people will be gathered in. And what is the great aim of all of it? That Christ would be glorified. Name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. So it's, it's been two and a half years since we planted the Trails Church, but in just a short amount of time, there are countless ways that God's glory and his name have been proclaimed through our church, through you, both right here in this community and among the nations. Uh, this week, I received a report from the International Mission Board of what happened through the year 2020. So as a Southern Baptist church, we are a part of the largest missions agency in the history of the world. Do you know you're a part of that? 47,000 churches across this globe joined together in order to send missionaries everywhere that Christ is not known. Some of the darkest places in the world. And in the year 2020, listen to these statistics in this report. Last year, 750,000 people overseas heard the good news of Jesus Christ. 144,000 profess repentance and faith in Jesus as their Savior. 86,000 people were baptized. 18,000 churches were planted, all for the glory of God. And we never left Collin County. We didn't go, but we sent because we believe in the Great Commission and being a part of it. Whether we're called to go or called to stay, we want to leverage our lives to be a part of that. Let me, let me show you this as well. So about 18 months ago, our friends at Biblica are, are joining with all the large Bible translation uh, organizations in the world to try to uh, publish a Bible in the heart language of every people group in the world, known in the world, I believe by the year 2035. 2035. And so they said there's this place in northern India that is uh, the Chattisgari people have no translation of the Bible in their own tongue. We're like, well, my goodness, we already go there every year. We go to this city called Raipur and, and help pour into uh, orphans there and, and children who are in need there and help support this local church there. And so we thought, well, we've got to be a part of this. And so what I'm holding in my hand is uh, the books of Psalms, which we're reading today, and the book of Proverbs in the Chattisgari language. God's glory among the nations. We didn't go, but we sent. We were part of this great work from right here. 
leveraging our lives for the sake of God's glory, even in a place uh, nowhere near. Now, I can't read a word in this book. Most of you can't either, but praise the Lord that men and women and children in northern India will be able to open God's word in their own tongue. And may he rescue them, bringing them to himself. We'll soon be sending our first missionary. Hannah, where are you? There you are. Hannah McNeil has been called to go to Sierra Leone. She is a goer. So Hannah, look around. These are all your senders. We're committed to you. And, and who knows who else? Who knows who's next? It could be you. But I, I hope for the next 20 years we're going to Sierra Leone and having tea with you and praising the Lord for all that he's doing. Most of us are not called to go. Some will. But all of us are called to be a part of the Great Commission. The question is not if you are called to the mission of God. If you're in Christ, the question is where are you called and how are you called? I shared earlier that there have been a handful of moments in my life where I have come to understand the Great Commission in a real and personal way. Not as an abstract idea, but an eternal, sovereign plan being carried out by God alone through the witness of his people. And where I have seen this most at work is not at some conference or some place far away, but right here, week after week, in this little kingdom outpost called the Trails Church. I'm going to talk about the joy of gospel advancement. I see it at work in us. As we have collectively covenanted together to see the name of Jesus be made famous right here among us. To hold out the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to prayerfully say, Lord, would you be gracious to us that we may share your grace to others? Would you bless us so that we could be a blessing to this community and to the nations of the world from right here? Would you cause your face to shine upon us? Which gets to the most important prayer. Lord, would you be with us? Let us know your nearness. Would you lead us as a people? Confessing our need for God. And so I'm praying once again that God would wield the wealth of Collin County for the sake of unreached peoples. I want to ask that you would join me in praying that. Let's ask the Lord for that now. God, as your church, we call to you. The God who has first called us, has been gracious to us, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, has made his face to shine upon us. We ask Would you use our lives for the sake of the advancement of the gospel right here among us and around the world? Let us see our lives in the place of the great story that you are writing, in this history of redemption that we've been grafted into. Be gracious to us and let us be 
gracious toward the world. As you bless us, let us be a blessing to this world. As you make your faces shine upon us, let us shine the light of Christ into this world. We ask that you would wield the wealth of Collin County. Use the giftings and resources of the people of the Trails Church for the sake of the unreached here among us and for the sake of the unreached in the world. We ask this in Christ's name.